All right. Good morning, everybody. How are we all doing? Good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I'm doing great, too, especially that last song, because uh, I was racking my brain a, a good introduction for this sermon. But as I, as I listen to the words of that song, that's, uh, that's exactly what the passage I want to go over today is all about, is God's amazing grace uh, that's found in Jesus Christ. And, and this story is communicated uh, by Jesus Christ, even though it's kind of hard for, uh, for a certain person to take, but it's a message that we all definitely need to hear. Uh, and this really does tie into, when I think about the, the Who's Your One series that we've been through, and the, the, when we lay on our hearts something like evangelism or sharing our faith, and we make that task, how many, and, and be honest, how many of us are ever afraid of failure? And every hand goes up. What we can learn here today from this passage is that uh, failure is absolutely not final. And that, uh, that ultimately, when we're talking about something like, like whether you, I'm standing here sharing God's word, or whether you're out at your place of work, or in your home, or wherever else, when you're sharing God's word and God's truth, that failure is inconsequential. It's really not a failure, because it's on His power. It's on him, not you. So, uh, but as we think about this, uh, this passage that I want to get into today, uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 21. Uh, and the failure in this that we want to talk about, it really comes uh, much earlier in the story. But there's always things in our lives that really catch our attention that bring back memories that we might have. You know, it's, uh, whether it's a group of people we're with, or certain events, smells, tastes, sounds, you know, all these things. And uh, I'm sure most of you guys have been there. I know I've been there to where uh, you're just in a certain situation and all of a sudden a flood of memories comes rushing back on you. And it's like you're almost reliving those moments over again. Has anybody else felt that? Yeah. Okay, well, I think as we read this story, we can see uh, that this is probably what's happening to Peter. And just to, to set up a little context here... Um, this is after the resurrection, so Christ has already raised, been raised. This is, the, uh, this is the third time that Christ has appeared. The first time, of course, Resurrection Sunday with Mary Magdalene and Mary, and, and then the, the rest of the disciples later that day. Eight days later, he, uh, he shows up again to, with the disciples, and that's when we have the, uh, the famous words of Thomas when he says, My God and my Lord, or my Lord and my God. And then there's this time. And uh, just the way this passage reads, we can be led to believe that this, there's been a, a, a gap of time between that eight days after the resurrection and this. And, and we can kind of know that by the, the way that, uh, just the way things have gone. The disciples have gone fishing, um, Peter being one of them. Peter, it says Peter and six other disciples went fishing. Now, this, most people look at this as this is a temptation to go back to what was comfortable for them. There was... Uh, and uncertainty in their hearts, and they went back to where, uh, to where they were. And when I start talking about memories, where was Peter at when Jesus first called him? He, exactly, he was fishing. That's what these disciples went and did. They went fishing, and Jesus at the in um, Matthew four eighteen through 19, 18 and nineteen. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
So right there, there's uh, this thing is this thing that's happening. Jesus is calling these disciples from shore who are fishing. There's a jog in the memory. When they come to shore, Jesus has a breakfast for them. The breakfast is bread and fish, which is going to make us think about what? Jesus feeding the 5,000. Here's another memory jogger that's happening. And, and this goes on and on. Um, so right now I'm just going to read. We're going to start in John uh, 21, verse 15. It says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, son of, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now, if we know Peter's story, which most of us do, we know that uh, uh, there was a time when he failed when he failed the Lord. It was at the Last Supper, right? That night, he went out. And uh, Jesus actually said to him, you're going to fall away. And Peter says, no, I won't. I'm ready to follow you even to death. And he makes this statement. And then later on that same evening, he ends up, he does deny Christ three times. And now put yourself in Peter's shoes with all these memories flashing back. And Jesus asks you the same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three times. It's got to be a heart-wrenching experience for Peter. Right off the get-go, he's calling back to these memories. Jesus is really like digging at Peter to see what's going on here. He says, Simon, Peter, do you love me more than these? What are these? Who are these? If we go back and we look at this account of the Last Supper and we look at uh, Mark chapter 14, uh, verses 27 through 31, and Jesus send, says to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he emphatically said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Who is with Peter on the beach? A bunch more disciples. They were all there that said the same thing. As I think about Peter in this situation and how his heart's probably breaking at this moment, and then, but we look at what Jesus was doing. Jesus was getting to the root of the problem. He was, he was going after Peter. Peter was ready to go back and, and take up a life of fishing again after he'd already been called to follow the Lord because that's what was comfortable. Following the Lord is definitely a hard thing to do, but that's what Peter was called to do. Keep in mind that these disciples were here. Peter's failure was a public failure. A lot of your translations here, does anybody have the NIV translation here today? The heading in the pericope of that, I believe, says that the reinstatement of, G of Peter, or Peter reinstated. 
just as Peter's failure was public in front of these other disciples, he claims that he's going to follow the Lord right to the death in front of these other disciples. And they're looking at him and saying, man, he messed up. And here comes Jesus. Now, after the resurrection, and he's reinstating Peter in a public fashion. See, Peter was running from his pain. He was hurt. He was, he was hiding. Um, yeah, I think about, uh, I talked to Miss Ashley earlier this week, our, our chaos director, and this is so applicable to our lives. She's getting ready to go through a gallbladder surgery. She's been in a lot of pain, and this pain is getting worse and worse, just like Peter's pain. As he's living in this defeat, this failure, that pain is getting worse and worse and worse and, and dragging him down, keeping him from doing what he was supposed to be doing, what he was created to do. And these are Ashley's words. She says, I'm tired of the progressing pain and ready for the healing pain. We think about this interaction with, with Jesus and Peter. That was a painful interaction, but that's where the healing started. And that's why we can say that failure is absolutely not final. We have to confront these things before we can go. So whether we're talking about our one or whether we're talking about anything else, you know, when that failure happens, that's God's amazing grace that allows us to go beyond it and it's not necessarily a failure. Sometimes it's just a learning experience. We know Peter's story. We know that he went on. Uh, many of you guys have just read through the book of Acts with me. We know what Peter did. We know that he preached an amazing sermon on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people were saved. We know that it was his interaction with the Gentiles that, uh, that opened the door so that others could see that God's salvation was for all people, not just the Jews. So Peter failed here. But it wasn't a continuation in that failure. You know, we look at that passage in Mark uh, 14, 27 through 31 again, and it says they all said the same. Why was this reinstatement so public? Because all those other disciples were feeling the same thing. Peter was just the bold one that said, no, Lord, I'm going. Sometimes he worked, he spoke faster than his brain could catch up. You know, that's a failure in itself. I've been there too. <laughs> and this, is, this was Peter's, mis not necessarily a mistake, but he, he just voiced what he was thinking. The other disciples were thinking the same thing. So they were feeling the same shame. But Jesus comes and publicly reinstates Peter. So the rest of the disciples can sit there and say, okay, there's hope for me as well. Have you ever felt like that? Have you felt like you failed? I know that I have. But failure is not final. The plain fact of the matter is that we all fail. We're all going to mess up from time to time. That doesn't mean we give up. If we go, if we have a you know, perfect example I can think of, and I don't know how many times it's happened to me, the Holy Spirit's working on me to go and talk to one, whether it's that one or a different one. Has anybody hesitated on that and missed the opportunity? Yeah. You could look at that as a failure. You could learn from that and say, hey, okay, I missed that opportunity. Next time, I can't hesitate. When the Spirit's leading me, i got to go. The other great thing we see about this passage is that every time this cycle of questions happens, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus, and uh, Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus follows it with a command to service. 
Did his failure take him out of the game? Did his failure tell you, no, you can't do any more? No, every time that this uh, question and answer takes place, Jesus comes back and says, no, you still have work to do. You're still valued. You're still important. I want to continue with the rest of this passage. We're going to read John 17, or John 21, 17 through 22. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him. The one who is also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the first point I made is that failure is not final. The second point is that Jesus knows you and Jesus knows your wants. Peter's statement here at the end of this last question and answer cycle is that, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. This is a great recognition of what, uh, what Peter's really feeling in his heart. Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half years, and they had seen, uh, Peter saw some great miracles. And I love this statement that he says in John 6, uh, 68 and 69. It says, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. When Peter says, Lord, you know everything, that's a recognition of who Christ is. The omniscient God, the Savior of our world, the one who, who knew that Peter was going to fail. The one who knew uh, that he was going to be crucified, died, buried, and resurrected. All throughout this ministry, there's more memories that are coming up in Peter's mind so he can truly see who Christ is. And he's laying it out before him, Lord, you know everything. My heart is bare before you. You know that I love you. What more can I say? So we know that Jesus was, he knew that Peter was going to fail. But Jesus also knew the good work that Peter was going to do after that. He knew about that sermon at Pentecost. He knew about First and Second Peter. He knew about Peter's sacrifice for the church and his contribution to the church. You know, we think about our, our who's the one. We've gone through this whole series, and we look at, we look at people like Zacchaeus, and Nicodemus, the woman at the well. Jesus knew all of those circumstances as well. He knew those people. We walked through every one of them. This is not hidden from Jesus. This is why Jesus told Peter to follow me. Because he knew that there was still good work to do. And that the Holy Spirit was going to lead Peter into that. Jesus left. Jesus ascended. But he sent the Holy Spirit. So that's who we follow today. That's who Peter followed at the Sermon of Pentecost. That's who Peter followed as he wrote First and Second Peter. 
Jesus knew each and every person that we went through in this sermon series. Jesus knows Peter. Jesus knows the, the people that Peter's going to affect. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows the people that your testimony is going to affect, that your witness is going to affect. That's why he calls us to follow him as well. He knows the needs and the circumstances. So just as this reinstatement of Peter was one of a public nature that was uh, not only a benefit to Peter, but also to the other disciples, that's our benefit as well, that we can see that, we can glean from that. And point number three is just as Jesus says in this passage to Peter, follow me, that's the same thing he's saying to us, is, is follow me. Don't follow somebody else. Don't follow your desire. Don't follow your uh, temptation. When things get hard, when you fail, don't follow your temptation to go back to fishing or uh, mechanicking or you know whatever it may be. Continue to follow Him. We look at those, uh, those, these verses here with Peter and uh, you go back to the, the omniscience of Jesus and he knows, you know, he tells Peter how he's going to die. That's a hard thing to take. Yes, follow me, but look, somebody's going to stretch out your hands, you're going to stretch out your hands. That's, that was known that that was the, uh, uh, the analogy for a crucifixion. Peter, you're going to follow me and you're going to die. You're going to give your life for me. And how many of us would be in that same boat when we say, well, it's going to get real hard. What about for Dan? If I have to sacrifice like that, what about, what about Wayne? Jesus says, what is that to you? You follow me. I'm calling them to do something different. Jesus called John to, to be a shepherd at the church of Ephesus and to write several books of the New Testament and to give us a look into the future of glory in the book of Revelation that, that only he can give us. He called Peter for a different task. Just as he called Paul for a different task. You think about that. These men that were called to these tasks, what did they do? They followed the Spirit as God led them. They followed the Spirit, and they were led into great works. I think about you know, people of our own time. Sure, we have biblical writers, but what about Billy Graham? Okay, there's another man. He followed the Spirit, and look how many people were affected. And then we can start to funnel this down. What about Pastor Lee? He follows the Spirit, and our lives are impacted. The pastor up the road, Rich, he follows the Spirit, and they're affected. People are affected. Not because, of, not because of Pastor Rich or Pastor Lee, but because of the Spirit working through them. And we can narrow this down even further. I can think of my own life. I can think of, uh, I can think of Gladys, a woman most of you have never met, who followed the Spirit. And I'm standing here today because of it. I think of a man named Roland that I'm guarantee, can't pretty much guarantee that none of you ever met, that led a sinner down the Romans road. I didn't know where it was going, but nonetheless, he followed the Spirit. And because of that, other people are affected. Because we follow his lead. We, should, we can't compare about, you know, so-and-so is not leading people to Christ. I know Billy Joe. He's a good Christian. He reads his Bible, but he's not witnessing. And maybe he's not called to witness to the same people you are, but you are called. Has God laid somebody on your heart? I love that statement of Jesus. What is it to you? 
You mind your business and you follow me. This is backed up by Paul in, in Philippians uh, chapter 2. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God that's working in us. It's God that's working in us. It's God that puts the desire in your heart to witness to that person or to share your faith. It's God that enables you. At the same time, it's God that is working in their circumstances to prepare their heart to receive that message. So if the Holy Spirit is calling you to act, act. Don't hesitate. Don't give that failure an opportunity to creep in. And if it does happen, don't remain there. Continue to push on. Continue to move forward. Like Peter, most of us, I'm sure we have all failed. But we can't stay there. The beautiful thing about it is that he doesn't ask us to determine the outcome. He just asks us to follow. It's very important to notice when Jesus answers all these questions here, or after Peter answers them, and Jesus says, feed who? Feed my sheep. Peter, don't feed your sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. He's the one that's responsible. That's great freedom for us to know that it's, it's him that's working. And all we have to do is follow. He's the one who knows. We follow. If you guys will, please join me in prayer and we'll close out today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to learn from your word. We thank you that we can look uh, deep into it and, and that we can pull these, these things out, Lord, that you foot there for our instruction, for our, for our good. Lord, as we, as we close out this series of, of who's your one, Lord, I pray that, uh, that each of us in here, that as we've identified that one, that we have that opportunity uh, to, we have that opportunity just to share your love with them, to share the saving power of Jesus Christ with them, to share our testimony that, that can make an impact, Lord, according to your will. And Lord, let us all operate in the freedom of knowing that it's not up to us, but it's up to you. It's up to what you have planned. Lord, place in our hearts the confidence and the peace of knowing that you only hold us accountable for following you. And Lord, give us the, the receptiveness to, to identify exactly where that is that you're leading us and just to, to follow unashamedly, unhindered, unattached to the world, but Lord, to seek you with, uh, uh, to seek you wherever you're at, where you're leading us, with a joy in our hearts that shows uh, your love for us and your amazing grace. God, as we read this passage and we see the amazing grace that you've shown to Peter, that that was a lesson for the other disciples and a lesson for us as well. So let us take that to a world that needs to know your amazing grace. Let us live in that grace and be effective for you and for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.